I'm gonna try and smoke. Cheese. I want to try and start smoking cheese in that smoker mm-hmm. of ours. Okay, in the smoker. <laughs> Get my pipe out and. <laughs> if there's anything I would ever smoke, it would be cheese. <laughs> Just put, get like on a little like uh, pipe and drop like flecks of munster. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Cold Boat Podcast. This is Jake and I'm here with my cold bros. What's up, dudes? What's up? Hey, hey, hey. Me, Chris, Troy, Scott, we're all here. We're all here. We're good. We're (laughs) homies. Homie G's. (laughs) What's everybody been up to? What have you been up to, Jake? Uh, Aside from watching cooking videos on YouTube? Because aside from that, not much. I mean, I've got, uh, let's see, munchies. Uh, you've got the munchies? No, or you've I'm, been saying, I'm saying the, the channel munchies. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's the YouTube channel munchies. There's the YouTube channel binging with Babish. There's the YouTube channel uh, Bon Appetit. Um, You're just like killing yourself the, right now, the dude. The YouTube channel First We Feast. I ha- Between those four, that has basically been... 90% of my free time. So Jake recently had bypass surgery. Yeah. And I told him this is like having your member chopped off and watching porn. You're just <laughs> torturing yourself. Because <laughs> there's That's nothing it. you can do about it. That is exactly what uh, it's like. And uh, it's fantastic. I love, <laughs> I, love, I love watching all this. You're like a sadist. <laughs> I'm two weeks away from having all my my dietary restrictions taken off. In two weeks, I'll be able to eat beef, raw vegetables, bread, all that all that fun stuff again. But uh, right now, I'm just trying to keep myself good. But oh, I I watch burger videos all the time. I watch pizza videos all the time. I've eaten pizza. I just have to scrape the toppings off and eat the toppings without eating the crust. I tried eating the crusts recently, by the way. I ate like half of a piece of crust of pizza after eating the toppings, and I thought it was going to die. Um, so yeah, anybody who's considering uh, considering gastric bypass surgery, that those first two months are a bit of a... Uh, so, <laughs> all right. Anywho, that's what I've been up to this week and the past month and a half. But so, right uh, on. continuing on, seems like past couple. What you've been up to has been about YouTubers. There's a, there's a YouTuber that I've recently I watch been YouTube more than I watch TV. Me too. It's I, uh, it's, it's weird. I watch a lot. Of I YouTube. am a millennial. Yeah. I don't feel bad about it though. Well, so. like I like what I'm watching on there, and then especially like when I go to my dad's house and he's watching the eleventh procedural cop show. Yeah. Out, I'm like, why do you do this? <laughs> How do you convince yourself this is good TV? NCIS Colorado Springs. Dude, he thinks that like Hawaii Five O is like the best thing ever. <laughs> why are you? so sweaty Why am I? I, was I was watching cops, cops. <laughs> I was like I always sweat why are you like throwing shade in here right now <laughs> but dude, but but for reals 
a lot of the YouTube I watch is just a stupid YouTube drama between YouTubers. And it's just, <laughs> just as bad as anything your dad watches. So anyway, we all have our, what, what Jim Gaffigan would call our McDonald's, which is just the crap we can. So you're watching everyone, uh, Jared, Pro Golly. Jared. Oh, my yeah. watching that yeah for, I, I keep up with all of the youtube for, drama for, for the Jerry. longest time my mcdonald's on youtube was uh uh like watch irish, irish people, people eat, eat american candies, american candies yeah, or what yeah. like i would watch that and then like people would walk in the room and i'd turn it like ah, turn it off turn it off turn it off. You, you turn and the then, porn on and then mom would be like what were you doing i was like, watching porn <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's nope. so much less embarrassing than what I was really watching. Dude, that stuff like always like makes me laugh though, because like these European people are like, "Oh, this is so bad for you," and then they show their teeth. Like, yeah, it's this like is, did keep you telling me how this is bad for me. <laughs> Who was it? Was it one of you guys? That it was me. That, that, that meme. <laughs> yeah, I don't send my skids to a shooting range. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Because it's totally true. Like, yeah. like the, the teeth. Yeah. yeah. The teeth. Gross. <laughs> the teeth. Yeah. Go, go watch um, Flinch. Go watch Flinch. Mm-hmm. It's a horror show. It's a funniest show, but it's a horror show of dental work. Uh, mm-hmm. So so this YouTuber that I've been watching oh, is... Yes, talking about something. Is a... Uh, he, he's 100% just a fan. He talks about fantasy books, movies, everything. I try to watch on this guy because of you. Yeah, his name is Daniel Green. Yeah. He's a, he's a young buck too. He is. He's he's upcoming. He just hit forty thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the year, he was at like ten. So he's he's really mm. coming up. Ten total or ten thousand? Ten thousand. Sorry. Oh, you like you gave me hope, dude. I know. Sorry. <laughs> we're at ten subscribers. <laughs> we were at ten subscribers at the beginning of the but year. Now we're eleven. So. <laughs> um, anyway, he's a. Uh, he, he's great. He talks about his his favorite uh, series is the Wheel of Time. Robert Jordan. He he loves Brandon Sanderson. Uh, anyway, he he just he actually hates Name of the Wind or the King Killer Chronicles. That's funny. Yeah, he's got a good good reasons. I've watched all his all of his uh, reviews on those, and I'm I'm almost scared to say it around like people that listen. But I was like I like it, but it's, I don't think. Yeah, I mean his for his reasons. Like I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. But I still enjoy. I can enjoy things that I know aren't as quality. Plus, I think so the author's a little pretentious. He's oh, yeah. like, if you're gonna read my book just once. You're not doing it right. Yeah, like, shut up. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> anyway, um, and and he he has this theory about how. Patrick Rothfuss, who's who wrote the King Killer Chronicles, the the he, which is two thirds of the way done, um, has ri- written himself into a corner with his characters, and that's why the third one hasn't come out because he can't figure out how to write the book and be culturally relevant with the PC culture. Oh, what a dumbass! Anyway, sorry that was really rude. Really, you think writer. that's it? you think that's it? That's what that, he has. This like really he's trying good to he's because, trying to it's very, like now politics and, and he can't. Well, the way he writes women, like, and I didn't realize it until he he said it. Is he he. Anyway, it's just uh, he can't. There's no way around what he's done with his characters. Hmm. And there's a thing in fantasy called the Mary Sue character, mm-hmm. and Kvothe is totally a Mary Sue. And we just triggered somebody. Oh, we triggered somebody <laughs> that I know personally really bad. I would say in the in the first book he isn't, in the second book he, he is. I mean, he, he's he's uh, he has conflicts. He, he, that's for sure. But anyway, I'd have to read him again to really. I'm just kind of going off of what this guy said, mm-hmm. and 
anyway. When you hear someone, when you haven't read the book in years and then you hear someone have a negative review, that's what you're going to remember. If I heard, if I listened to a positive review, then maybe I'd, I'd have different things to say. Well, anyway. I, cause I had the same thoughts. Like I think he's a Mary Sue too. Yeah. So we we're both, we both can be right. Anyway. Um, yeah. Daniel green is his name. Go, go look him up. If you, if you like fantasy, he has really good takes on, on fantasy stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's good. So he, but he convinced you to start reading Wheel of Time, right? Yeah. Are you, start, are you listening to it now? No, I'm reading it. Oh, you are with my eyes. Get out of here. Yeah. No way. Dude, it's Dude, 2019. I got, you I still know. do that? How far are you in it? Three chapters. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find time. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a slow burn. But why are you choosing to read it over listening, like other? Because uh, it's a good question. I. I it, Warped logic, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like I can read this slowly while I listen to other books as well, because mm-hmm. I'm able to to consume different uh, things at the same time, as long as they're a different medium, I guess. Yeah. And so, like, I'm gonna give this like years to complete while I listen to other. Like, I'm listening to Tom Clancy's Patriot Games right now, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm able to listen to that in the car and then read this at home. See, and I, because I read up to the sixth book. And I just had to stop. Um, Didn't you go back to it? I would rather listen to it. Okay. I would. I would rather listen to it. it it's hard to. He, and he. And this is Wheel of Time. Wheel by of the Time. Way. Fantasy books have this. Um, I don't know if it's a problem, but they do this thing where they throw a billion, billion characters at you, and if they ever introduce a character, then they, unless they die, you're probably going to see that character. It's because they're they're they're. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons DMs that build an entire mm-hmm. world and civilization and culture and everything, and they just want to give it to give it all to you because they put so much work and into it. It gets frustrating too when you're you're reading through this book and you like you want to know about the characters that you care about, but then the next chapter is about the pirate captain of a boat that you met two books ago. Yeah, and I'm like, who is this? And then I do this thing where I'm like, who the hell is this character? And then I Google them. And then I click on him to like remember and uh, status deceased. I just spoiled the book for myself because yeah. I'm trying to remember who this character is. Now he's dead, so now I'm just waiting for their eventual demise. Um, and this wheel of time has it in space. Well, well, when there's 14 books, it's going to happen, right? So I know it's a great series, and I know people swear by it and they love it, and they and I have never once had any desire watch daniel green he might change your mind and i i think that i think a large portion portion of that is 14 books Mm -hmm. and it is super daunting it's like it's like a a tv show that has 12 seasons and it's one of the best tv shows of all time would i ever start it probably not that is such a time commitment to, Mm to 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 and I've done that I don't know. too. I just I don't know if I could if I'll ever read that series. Yeah, so that's that's my takeaway from it because I I just it was a chore to read it. I, I was pushing myself, and eventually I was like, "Why am I doing this? I don't even like this anymore." <laughs> but I think if I could passively read it and like the point I was trying to make before is that there's so many characters, I just confuse the two. <laughs> so if there is a person giving them like different voices, you know, like. <laughs> trying to differentiate the two because like, there's there's all these women characters See, and, and that, like, that's, I, I confuse the, exact, the seven of them it's funny because I had the exact opposite um, argument for Game of Thrones 
Oh, I really? listened to Game of Thrones and there's too much to listen to. I couldn't keep a track. I felt like if I was reading it, I'd be able to take. I'd See, be able to do. And I, I started reading the fifth book and I couldn't finish it, so I got a on tape or on audible and then i could finish it okay i think probably once you once you know the characters by reading it then switching over to audible or to audiobook would help with that uh i got oathbringer on audible first bringing it back to brandon sanderson Mm -hmm. and then i was walking by costco and i saw oathbringer on for sale like half off the biggest book I've ever seen in my life. Like I I got it my mom's like you can read this but you can't read the bible once Um, but flipping through it, there's like images. There's like he does little drawings in there. There's like really cool maps and stuff. And I was oh, like, yeah. so you miss I, a lot going through the doing uh, audiobooks yeah. with Sanderson. And so like what, he's really into fashion, like yeah. the fashion of in this world. It's really weird. Yeah. So, but I, I did both. I would read it and listen to it at the same time. I was, I was such a geek, dude. I was laying on my belly with my feet in the air, like kicking, <laughs> flipping through the book. Dude, and it's funny how how much he's into fashion. And then if you ever see him in any picture thing, he's wearing a Marvel t-shirt, you know? He's, he's like a, frum- he's a frumpy looking like anybody that you see at at the at a conference. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough about that. All right. Where so I uh, I've been watching. Um, I feel really weird, like following up what you hear as whole conversation with just like I've been watching this show on Netflix. Uh, have you guys seen Did you um, hear the one that I started with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you started. <laughs> have you guys uh, have, you, have any of you guys seen Black Mirror? Yeah. Yeah. But I've only seen the British ones. I haven't seen the new Netflix so ones. You saw the f- okay. Um, well, so- that's one of the douchiest things you ever said. Do <laughs> you know how weird it is coming out of my mouth? <laughs> I've only seen the British ones. That's not something that Chris says. There, I saw a meme that said, uh, uh, what was it? It was uh, the meme said, um, Black Mirror season one, would a life lived through social media be worth living? And Black Mirror season six is what if you could <laughs> while you played while you played Wii Sports or something like that? I was like, what? <laughs> All right, well that leads okay, perfectly and, into this. And this is what I wanted to say too: is I saw because I listened to a podcast and they're like, these are perfect <laughs> length of movies. Some movies stay overstay their welcome. Black Mirror just shorter movies. So I started watching them. And then I messaged you guys, hey, I watched Black Mirror. The first episode was about the prime minister of London having sex with a pig. <laughs> and then you guys all said, you're an idiot. Nobody <laughs> likes or wants to hear about what you're watching, Chris. Shut up. <laughs> the, I was like, you guys check it out. And you're all like, no. So, so the reason why the reason why that, that it's OK, so Black Mirror, every episode is its own story. So it doesn't tell a, a Twilight Zone. Yeah, uh, it doesn't tell its own. It doesn't tell a linear story. And so when you start it. If you start it right now on Netflix, you'll start with the most recent season that just came out, which is what Jake just referenced about sucking. And, and you don't friend. need to watch them in order, right? No, so you can start all, in any season, yeah. any episode you want. Uh huh. And so to Chris's point, like the the episode that you're referring to, the prime minister and his uh, sexcapade with a pig, um, with a pig, was the last episode I saw. But by that time, I was kind of already like into Black Mirror and <clears throat> the the uh, stories they were trying to tell, like the message, like. Anyway, and so I kind of anyway, it didn't bother me as much as it 
bothered you, I guess. It didn't bother me. I just it was like, you'd had sex was, with a pig, <laughs> and and I was thinking like this is their like pilot. So so it's, this is their pilot. This is what they're starting with. You know how weird this that is. is? The hook. <laughs> so the first season came out on uh, on uh, or no sorry the most recent season came out and the big thing Miley Cyrus is in it. The like, big thing is that, yeah. that this is like Simpsons dude. They're like having in sync on well, the show. So now. the last season, the season Ridiculous. before was actually really really good, but the season now they're focusing on like having these like major like these bigger named uh stars in it like anthony mackie is in it um uh topher grace is is in uh in it as well effing grace topher effing grace uh anyway miley cyrus as you mentioned and so like there's bigger stars in it now than there ever were but uh the story seem the stories kind of seem to be a little bit Anyway, so I've been watching. I, I I watched the the newest season only has three episodes, which is awesome. oh really yeah, um, and I watched those and yeah. Uh, so I equate I equate the show with uh, basically like modern day cautionary tales, like Grimm Grimm's tales. Kind of yeah yeah. It takes like the idea They're of all technology. cautionary tales of technology. Yeah, the way no. that like technology kind of like like what could happen and, and like how Dude, it like that stretches one with Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, where it kind of uh, creeps the you out. Social media it? score, uh-huh. and you're so obsessed with, how, and like, uh-huh. and, then, the way and then you that find ended, out China's doing that. And then you find out China's actually doing that. Uh-huh. It's crazy. And like that, that oh, that was on uh, the the other podcast that I listened to. Um, yeah, it was creepy. But like, it's creepy. Man. The idea is like is is using technology and basically taking our moralistic like views of society and stretching them to the point where is it, is it okay using technology? Um, case in point is the idea that, um, you can with in the show, you can basically take someone's consciousness, take someone's thoughts. They're, they're basically they're everything and you can kind of immortalize it in technology. Yeah. So that, that opens up the floodgates to a lot of things. And it it's shows like, the downsides of doing Yeah. It's like, okay, well what, what about, what about if uh, like in one of the episodes they take a convicted killer um, and they, Immortalize, immortalized his consciousness. His body was dead, but he they immortalized his consciousness, and so therefore people could go in and pay a pay money to electrocute him over and over and over again because he can't die, but his consciousness is still alive, so he's still suffering. Right? It's that kind of concept. There's a there's a sci-fi book about that about. At the moment of death, they save this man's memory mm-hmm. and then install it into another body, and so he has to die a thousand deaths. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he remembers it. So he, he actually experiences a thousand yeah. deaths. So it's basically taking this concept of, um, the, just this concept of technology and like almost creating like a, like a sci-fi, uh, element to it. And then kind of stretching the bounds of what we would consider morally right or wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just interesting. And so I watched the most recent, recent season and it's, uh, it's less interesting than the other ones. Um, but it's, it's kind of. So, so um, on this, Twilight Zone is coming out with new episodes. Jordan Peele. And I, think I thought it's they beca- already came out. I think it's because, or maybe it has. It's but, on that, but it's because of the success. It's of, on that network that nobody has, the but, CBS but, network or whatever. Oh. The only way to watch the new Star Trek. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what it's on. So, yeah, I wonder if it'll be anything C- like CBS? Black Mirror. <laughs> well, they have like their streaming service. Oh, okay. And that's, Star Trek is exclusively on it. And you can watch Star Trek on Netflix if you don't live in America. 
So the difference between that thing, I, I think that that Twilight Zone definitely focuses more on the supernatural aspect of things. Oh right. Um, whereas Black Mirror focuses more on but like it's similar, technology. Similar, feel, similar. Yeah, definitely similar feel and and everything. And like, not every episode has a happy ending. So of Black it, Mirror. Yeah. None of them have a happy ending. Well, I mean, a few of them, but not many. Do they? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. The one with Miley Cyrus is kind of. Oh, happy so ending. none of the. None of the British ones that I watched had a happy ending. <laughs> wow, dude! I know, I know. <laughs> the British office is better than the American office. No, it's but that's not. where that's where it stretches the stretches the um, the moralistic aspect of of, uh, of it because it, when you think about criminals and you think about what they have to do, what, what they what they have to live through, or their punishments or whatever, is it is it you know is that a happy ending or is it a bad a sad ending mm-hmm. like in the british one where there was that woman who killed a family or a child or whatever Dude, and that so, one so they erase her memory and have her relive this day every single yeah, every that single one day. like that one she did not deserve that okay she and then not deserve yeah. that. all right i don't know if you guys have seen that one but nope Sounds terrible. It, the the whole the series as a whole is really really good the it most recent just makes you think it makes you feel really yeah the most recent Deeply. season isn't as good, but the but I would say start, go three episodes down, start from there, watch it all the way down, and then no, start, start at the beginning, or start what at is this? whatever. It doesn't matter because watch the, the pic- <laughs> <laughs> Watch him, watch him, do it. <laughs> look him, look him in the eyes. Wait, how, say, how graphic are you is the pic- <laughs> is TVMA? No, it, it, I mean, the, there 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 is nudity later on in the full. <laughs> The, the like cars against humanity like a pig for him in cars against did that humanity? pig have a purdy mouth <laughs> he was wearing lipstick <laughs> they look like ned Beatty. <laughs> all right those pigs do uh that mean, was mean bro, i shouldn't mean. have said that um yeah no, should we get started on the episode yeah. yes please. should we get into this yes all right but the people are paying for we got another one we got another one we got another another contender for our Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. series, Chris, let's hear it. All right, your, so I your am baby. Here we go. Should I'm, we explain what Mount Rushmore is again? I'm pitching this. Yeah, let's explain what Mount Rushmore is. <laughs> Mount uh, Rushmore is Cold Bow Podcast Mount Rushmore of movies. So it's not our favorite movies. It's not Chris gets Lincoln, Troy gets Washington, Jake's obviously Roosevelt. <laughs> Take that all you want. <laughs> um, Scott's Jefferson. Scott's Jefferson. Okay. And Scott, the only reason Scott's Jefferson is because I couldn't remember the fourth head. <laughs> so, but that, we don't. We don't all get our own choice. We uh, have to unanimously. It's a agree unanimous vote that it belongs on Cold Bow Podcast Mount Rushmore. But we each present mm-hmm. a movie for correct. Mount and once there's four, we can start dethroning. Yeah. Or we can do it now because I'm going to dethrone Walter Mitty. I'm just kidding. I'm not Jesus. doing that. I'm not, I'm, just kidding. I'm not doing that. I'm just kidding. I want to get four up there before we do that. I don't care what you want. I wanted to see Jake's eyes bulge a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which friend do you guys like more, Scott and Troy? That's not fair. You guys are blood. I'm going to lose this fight nine times out of ten. So my pick for Mount Rushmore is... Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, I hope we all watched it recently. 
Uh, you guys, you guys all watch it. Yeah. yeah. So, I unabashedly love this movie. This movie, when I saw it, I I heard I heard started hearing the buzz. There, like people are saying it's really really good, and uh, I was like, okay, I'll I'll bite because I didn't really, uh, I haven't seen. Um, before this movie, I hadn't seen any Mad Max movies at all. Um, and ones I, with Mel Gibson, right? Dude, they're so good, though. I know. Well, I've seen them now. Yeah. But before Fury Road, I hadn't seen any of them. And then I kept hearing, "Oh, if you haven't seen any Mad Max movies, you're not gonna like this movie. You're like, you're, you're not sure what what you're expecting or whatever." And I, I still haven't seen any of the, the original ones. And I, oh, dude, Mad Max, the first one, and Road Warrior, are both fantastic. I'm sure they're great. I just haven't seen them. Mad Max Thunderdome might be one of the dumbest movies ever made. <laughs> it's very B level. It's entertaining as hell, but it's stupid. Um, Tina Turner is a well. She goes full Tina Turner, right? Whatever that means. So she's just she's very flamboyant. Tropical Thunder reference. (laughs) A what? Tropical Tropic Thunder. Tropical Thunder. Tropical Thunder. Whatever the name of your sex tape. No. Okay. Tropical Thunder. (laughs) No. No. It's it's Topical Thunder. (laughs) No. I I threw off Chris because you said she went full full Tina Turner, and I was like, is that? uh, Oh, I got you. Thank you. I'm so glad we're explaining the joke, guys. This is so funny. <laughs> anyway, I the uh, internet was a buzzing. I saw uh, review sites that very, very harsh review sites, like pretentious film school students review sites, uh, were giving it like perfect scores, and that that kind of intrigued me before I saw it. I saw it with I believe Jake and my wife Kylie, and uh, we didn't. Didn't really have any expectations. I knew it was an action movie. Um, and Jake even put on his Facebook, We're about to watch gratuitous violence and Mad Max. And that's what I was expecting. But what, what I got, got, I mean, we got, get that. we got gratuitous violence. But <laughs> also on top of that, one of the most mind-blowing, like, genre-bending movies I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I'm going to quote... Uh, a guy named Chris Duckman on on YouTube. He does movie reviews. But when he was leading into this movie, he said, we we have landmark movies or staple movies in action that kind of come in and change the game. And in 1981, we had Raiders of the Lost Ark. 1988, we had Die Hard. 1991, we had Terminator 2. um, Judgment Day. Judgment Day. 1999, The Matrix. 2008, The Dark Knight. 2015, Mad Max Fury Road. And ever since this movie has come out um like people have said oh you gotta watch this action movie the last time i felt that way was when i watched mad max like that that's what i said after i believe mission impossible fallout i was like oh dude the last time i was that nervous in a movie was mad max free road so it's it is now that landmark staple movie that other movies get compared to and i it honestly might be my favorite movie of all time I know it's it came out four years ago. Are they ago. planning on a sequel or anything? I, I hope so. It there is itself to it. I've heard there is. I've heard that uh, there that Tom Hardy Tom Hardy's signed, signed, signed on for, for four movies, for four films. Oh. Yeah. But there's like legal issues right now. Um, well, so Hollywood. not not to take anything, not to to steal your uh, your spot here for saying Chris, but like I was doing a little bit of research on it as well. Like Walter Mitty, our other. Uh, Mount Rushmore, who's oh, that's actually on there. Hell. It was in development hell for years. In fact, uh, the storyboards have been around since two thousand one. Yeah, Mel Gibson was was slotted to play um, to play 
Max again until he had to drop out eventually because it was just in development. Well, I'm glad he did. Well, and then, yeah, me too. And then there's no way that he could have used him after his controversy. Yeah, dude, Logan Marshall Green did such a great job in this movie. <laughs> it was unreal. They upgraded to Tom Hardy. <laughs> he looked exactly like Logan Marshall Green. So oh this gosh. movie specifically, <laughs> I, w- I was like going, every single shot of him looked like Logan Marshall Green. LMG. LMG. What's up, baby? <coughs> Sorry. So anyway, you guys, you guys all watched it recently. I don't remember what I was going to say. So, uh, what did you guys think? So, I watched it for the first time last night. Shut up. You've never seen it? Nope. Scott, what the hell, dude? I know. It, it's, it's been on my list, and I finally have a. If you excuse. say you watched it on a laptop or something. No, like, I watched it on my big 65 inch oh, TV. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> okay, um, so, I'll hear what you, I want to hear what you think. First time I watched it was on a computer, but I'll get to that. Okay. So, um, it's, it's really hard to really judge a movie after the first time you watch it, you know? Um, but that being said, so so what I'm saying is I wasn't able to really critique it as a, as a story and as a movie, but because the first time you see it is always the entertainment factor. I'm actually and really glad was, that, that we have somebody who has seen it for the first time. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Um, and it was really entertaining. Like, when it first started, like, just like the first sequence, the opening sequence, I was about to text you guys like what the f- like it wasn't anything like I oh, thought like it was like when he was be. getting chased by the war boys or well, no, no, like like got, his opening his, his opening sequence My and name like is Max. the the two-headed lizard he mm-hmm. eats the two-headed lizard like that that whole thing is like I did not expect like that voiceover like any of that anyway a great voiceover oh yeah um Tom but uh, voice. I was going to text mm. you guys and say, or message you guys and say what is going on but I wanted to I wanted to be on air when I told you guys I did the first time I watched it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it was awesome. Like the, uh, last night, I was thinking I, it was, I started it late, so I was like, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll watch the rest of it tomorrow morning or something. Um, watch half now, half later, and it was it ended up being like like halfway through. I was like I'm not That's exactly <laughs> what I did last night. <laughs> like, I can't put this movie down. <laughs> Anyway, so so it for for from my limited just my first viewing, mm-hmm. it, totally an A movie. It's, it's awesome. It's a movie that I re- I regretted not having seen in the theaters for sure. Oh, oh me too. Um, Dude, for me, the I'll, theater experience for this movie. I was trying to rent out our theater so we could all watch it. Oh, but we had such a short time gosh, to do this. The theater yeah. experience for this movie was unbelievable. So I the first time I watched it, I watched it on a computer screen. And I, I had to kind of like watch it in little intermittent spurts because I was getting interrupted from for work and stuff. So <laughs> freaking bored <laughs> interrupting my movie time. How much how much did you get paid to watch this movie? <laughs> you almost spit. <laughs> I'm not saying uh, who I was working for at the time. Um, I don't work for him anymore. I don't care. 2015. Um, uh, let's see. Anyway, so. Um, <coughs> So I was a little, I don't want to say I was underwhelmed. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't appreciate it as much as everybody else did because it, 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 to me, it suffered from that whole concept of like, oh, this movie is so great. It's perfect. It's great, mm-hmm. whatever. And I went into it thinking that, and I was a little like, eh, but then when I watched it again for this, I watched it on a bigger screen. Um, and I was a little more, I was quite a bit more blown away with it yeah. and, uh, and enjoyed it a lot more. Um, but to what you're saying, yeah, like it, it makes sense just the, the, uh, the boundaries that they stretched for this movie. 
to to make it what it what it is mm-hmm. is is really I think the most impressive thing about it. Um, even just like I mean, we're gonna start talking about it eventually. So let's talk about the cinematography. Like even even just that, like the the breathtaking shots, the uh, even the graphics, which or not the graphics, the stunts, uh, the effects were. I read on there were 80 percent of the effects were practical. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of most of the CGI was basically like Charlize Theron's arm and and like changing the color of the sand to orange and the yeah. sky to blue. Yeah, I, I've said this a thousand times. I don't think I've said it on air, but I've said it to Jake. But you could pause that movie randomly at any time print it and hang it on your wall so yeah. for, for me some of the blue scenes because it's either orange or blue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some of the blue scenes weren't as I, I didn't enjoy as much uh it was um remind me it, the director's name uh what's up frank miller right george miller george miller i knew it okay george miller uh he said with the color of the film he said he wanted it to be more colorful a little more saturated because it's a as a post he wanted it less saturated than, a, than an apocalypse movie no he wanted it more is what i read he wanted it, it was more definitely more saturated. it was definitely more saturated he wanted it more saturated oh less uh monotone yes yes say, more more colorful because the 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 ap- apocalyptic movies previous to this were always just like really desaturated really just like you said monotone just really like tried to like create that bleak atmosphere mm-hmm. but what he used is he used uh an environment that they filmed in Nambia <coughs> that that environment that sand that just and and that aspect of it to create this uh this and he used saturation to uh i believe he said um to get into the mind of the viewers, the minds of the people who live there because of kind of like what they, what they aspired to, what they wanted. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway. So something that I really, what I really loved, and this was something I thought of when I first saw the movie was, um, they gave you so little to go on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like all they did was at the, before even Max's, um, monologue they did they 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 basically said this is an a post-apocalyptic movie Mm -hmm. and that was basically it right and then they didn't tell you that people had like formed into three main civilizations at the citadel the gas town and the bullet farm and then that um, there was some bandits out in the in the no. They didn't tell you any of that stuff. They, they just, also didn't tell you there's a religion. There's they didn't tell you societal there's religion. Um, they tears. Didn't, they didn't tell you there's what generals. war boys were. Mm-hmm. All they did was and and to, and to to go along with that. Again, I was gonna text you guys that I wasn't enjoying the movie. Like at the at that beginning part, because because they left you like I had no idea what was going on. Like, yeah, dude, this movie. Nobody I'm not knew enjoying this movie right now. Nobody knew what was going on. He wakes up or he's sitting there getting shaved and tattooed, and then he he tries to escape and he's running away from the war boys and they're pulling him into the water and he's fighting them off yeah, and, and he's running out. This is just like being gritty for gritty's sake. And he and he. And he like, I thought that in the beginning too. Mm-hmm. But the beginning is crazy and he pulls open the door and then jumps out on that hook and then they pull him back in and put the rubber over his face and pull him back into the into the cave and it's just like what in the world just happened i remember jake and i looked at each other and we were both like oh it was and it it wasn't like nervous giggling like holy cow that was crazy tone it was like what that was intense and 
like it almost hurt. Yeah, the mm-hmm. war boys uh, like crawling over each other trying to get to him. It, it had like almost a World War Z mm-hmm. type feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, but and then, then and then him hallucinating um, the little girl, the little girl, but also the other the people. You let us, you let us and die, and and like like their faces turning to skulls. That's what I'm skulls. hoping these other movies will get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it have to. Um, the dude. Oh. As you go on, you get to learn about you, you learn and and they don't do a ton of like <coughs> exposition there's none telling you like Mm-mm. oh this is like there's a little bit of exposition when when the the girls are fighting with uh nux and they're saying like because he's saying he's gonna carry us into valhalla and they go no nah, but who destroyed the world mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of exposition there but, it, but it's also an action scene it, right? and it, but they it don't fits. but they do it in such a way mm-hmm. that it's not them it, george miller did zero percent spoon feeding the audience yeah. what was going on in this world it, it definitely took time and i and appreciated that that scene that i'm talking about didn't happen till they were going into the canyon mm-hmm. like nearly halfway into the movie yeah it, and, like, it, and it happened like you said chris during an action scene where it made sense to and it pushed the movie along and so the, exactly the, like that's the, that's the textbook way to, to serve exposition is through storytelling mm-hmm. so something i wanted to bring up that makes movie, it way more rewatchable but something that this movie does i think better than any movie i've ever seen is uh planting something like what's the, the chekhov's gun if you show a loaded gun on stage, it's going to go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually saw a YouTube video explaining how to do uh, planting items masterfully. And this movie does it. And then all the examples of bad. The little girl throwing mm-hmm. something at him and him blocking yeah, exactly. it. Oh, my goodness. But examples of doing it badly. I, this isn't a pick on Troy, but it was Zack Snyder movies. And it shows the first scene of Man of Steel is him saving a bunch of people. And then afterward, so that's the payoff. And then afterward, they plant the idea that he's a little kid. And he's like, well, what if I have to save people? So that that was a way of how not to do it. And then the way that George Miller does it, it, they did it backwards. backwards. And if you want to do it effectively, you plant something. And so the planting and the payoffs in this movie, better than any movie I've ever seen. And telling the story through the action instead of showing you the story like, instead of telling you when you see Morton Joe they're putting stuff on him he's he's a weak feeble man then they put a general chassis on him with a with, six pack with a six pack exactly <laughs> and like big pecs to make him look like he's their god or something but they didn't have to and it gives him the breathing apparatus so that he can be stronger i'm getting ahead of myself because my my point is this movie didn't have a script there was no script written for this movie what it had was a storyboard mm-hmm. and it had like three thousand panels of storyboards that they that they showed uh this is how i want my movie to go and there was no script really so the script was written later yeah no script was written at all and the only reason this movie got greenlit is because george miller has been making movies for 30 or 40 years 50 years now and so he's an acclaimed director and they had faith in him but if some young buck tried to do something like this right. it would never would get never get off the ground exactly no, I, I read that too. Uh, in fact, that was one thing Charlize Theron said um, that she and the cast worked off of a storyboard instead of the script, and mm-hmm. which is probably basically given their lines probably the day of. Yeah. Um, and and which is interesting because that creates that tension that like these actors and the stunt crew, all of these people, all uh, the the stunt men, stunt women, everybody that was in front of the camera 
had to act with their emotions, with their face, with their eyes, um, instead of, you know, you have all those shots right. where Charlize Theron looks in, in the rearview mirror, you know, she, it's, it's creating an exposition that is not being said with words, right? but it's creating it and you see, and you feel it. My, and that, that stylistic choice for her to put, uh, axle grease or whatever on her forehead mm-hmm. was like give, saying, uh, going off what you said, Troy was just like a genius move. Cause it just like brought her eyes out so much that well, like you can see so much emotion in her eyes because of the, the contrast right. with the, and, and all the generals in his army do that same style. They shave their head. Yeah. They put the axle mm-hmm. grease on top of their head mm-hmm. and nobody had to tell you that all you had to do. See it. George Miller said it was, it was like three quarters into the movie. Where I was like, Oh, that yeah. guy has it too. He's probably important. Like she, yeah. And she's yeah. a imperator. No, was he Imperator? Imperator exactly. So George Miller said, I don't have to tell you this. All you have to do is see it. And I can trust my audience in, an, in a nanosecond to pick up. And oh, she doesn't have an arm. We don't have to. We don't have to watch her putting it on or something. I lost this arm in a fight. It doesn't matter how she lost it. She just has one arm. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite planting and, and payoff is the silver spray. Mm. Oh, yeah. And the first yeah. time they show it, uh, Max is on the front of a car. And the, like the music is intense. Might, this might be the motion. most iconic shot mm-hmm. of the whole movie. The, the the music slows down. The 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 action slows down. Everyone's focusing on this guy who got shot in the face with an arrow and in his shoulder. The the thing goes in yeah. his cheek and out the back of his head. Yeah, yeah. And he stands up and there he's like, "Oh, get up, get up!" And then he yells, "Witness me!" to somebody. Sprays the silver spray paint on his mouth ritualistic religious suicide attack and then the audience knows oh if someone puts silver spray on their mouth they're going to kill themselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're going to go kamikaze exactly and the whole witness me and then all of his buddies all yell witness or whatever yeah if if, if they if they thought it was good it was witness if not it's mediocre oh Um, Mm -hmm. so fun fact uh, Charlize Theron personally rolled her eyes at me at Disneyland once because mm. I saw her walk by at Disneyland and screamed, Witness me, Furiosa! And I'm pretty sure she walked away going, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the, like the preacher on Men in Tights when he says, Hey, I bet! I hate that guy. She, she I'm probably pretty was, sure that's how she reacted. She probably was smiling as she walked away because, you know, she probably, when she gets people yelling at her, she probably gets other films that she's been in. You could have either done that, Mr. F. <laughs> Mr. F. I was just... <laughs> Four British eyes on you. <laughs> um, I, I was going to mention that shot specifically when he had, when that dude get shot with a thing and all the music dies down mm-hmm. and everybody's like, do it, do it, do it. And Nux is like, get it, get it. And he's looking out the, the his, he's like bending over so he can look out his windshield. And the guy kind of rolls back over. He's barely alive. And he kind of sprays that stuff on his face. And I, I remember the first time watching him going, what is yeah, going no, yeah. on? And then he grabs the two um, lances mm-hmm. And he stands up, and everybody's like, "Witness!" Mm-hmm. And then he jumps off and has them both cocked back behind his head, tomahawk. And those those, ex- those explosive lances were awesome. Mm-hmm. And then he let because they had torn the top off of that car, mm-hmm. so there was nothing protecting the driver of that car. And then he goes down and boom! And it was the most wild moment. And and um, it's really interesting that this moment because Chris, it, it's it is important, but it's not that like that that. 
car exploding. The, story. The, the, the car exploding isn't impo- important to the story. That What's all the time. important is that they're planting, mm-hmm. and so and there's all these filmmaking techniques that let the that let the viewer know. Okay, this is an important moment. Pay attention. And they're planting through action. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. This is the most Chris Daly movie ever made. <laughs> is- I um a particular scene that I thought was. Okay, but then the first time, but then loved it the second time was the uh, the sandstorm. How can you only think that was okay? I was watching on a computer. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That sandstorm. I remember like the rude. You couldn't fit a needle up my butt when I was watching <laughs> that the first time. And this song was playing during the whole thing. The storm is coming. Sorry, I Dude, just, I really like this, that, the music in this scene. When she's like. Decides to drive closer to the tornado. Um, when she drives closer to the tornado, and then she like forces the one car up into the tornado, and then all the war boys on her war rig mm-hmm. get pulled up into it. And you're looking over the side, and things are exploding in there. And then the one war boy comes down and hits the car that Max is tied to, mm-hmm. and flies over the top. And it was just like the the scope and the scale of some of the the moments in this movie were things that, like, I, I didn't breathe yep. for, like, two minutes. And do you know what I heard is that, that, that tornado was practical. No freaking <laughs> way. I heard it. I heard it. But then there was, like, some really brutal parts, like... In the sandstorm? or the... Well, no, I mean, just throughout the movie. Okay, we... before you get it away okay, okay, from okay, let's hear it. The sandstorm, I think, is a super important part of the movie. Because Nux, who has the most interesting character character arc in the whole movie, absolutely, um, he's going to kill himself. He's the la- he's the only person Spray he's any- the only person who followed her into the sandstorm um, out of the whole war party. Well, and, another car did, but she drove. Yeah, it but into she the, she drew, yeah, put sure. it in a tornado the last and like, picked up left. and exploded in beautiful colors. <laughs> um, but Nux is following him, and the only one there with him is his meat bag. Which we haven't even talked about yet because it's crazy. The Tom Hardy or Tom Hardy, Mad Max is a type blood O, bag. type O blood type. So he's a universal donor, and Nux is dying. Uh, it's played by Nicholas Holt, and he ties Max to the front of his car, and he has like a freaking um, what's it called when a mom has a baby? Uh, the cord, umbilical, umbilical cord. From Max to him, giving him life, giving keeping him Connected life. Connected to a chain so it doesn't get mm-hmm. ripped off. Exactly. And so Max is the only one there with him, and he says, "Witness me, meatbag." And he sprays the stuff on his face. Max has only seen this once. He's he's he is the wandering gunslinger who just happened to walk into the middle of a conflict, which is the Mad Max. That's that's his thing. Yep. Um, but then he he knows he saw it once, and the audience has only seen it once. This guy is going to kill himself, and he's going to kill me, and I have to stop him. And, th- dude, when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh, he dies right now. Yeah. Because this is so intense. The, like, car's full of gas, and the guy's holding a lit a, freaking a, flare. A flame, yeah, a flare, after he sprayed his mouth and everything. Uh, that was the payoff for the first time you saw it. Mm-hmm. And this was important to the story. Not the first time, but the second time you see it, because you know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. That that's what I wanted to. But then when say. we talk about when we talk about um, and I forget his name the the basically the guy that plays the god the god general Immortan, Immortan Joe. Joe Immortan Joe mm-hmm. um, is that we talked about how he was set up to be this this incredibly like this basically this god character he gave water 
essentially giving life to to the people below um he is he is immortalized as a strong person or, or shown to be the strong person he has that mask which, uh, which covers his face which you can only see you can only see what he wants you to see right and then uh and then as a result going to what you're saying with the the silver spray in the mouth uh, and everything then he personally sprays nux is that his name mm-hmm. uh sprays nux in the mouth with the with this the silver spray and says i will carry you personally into valhalla and it just creates this this religious element of mm-hmm. i will die i will do anything for for this this man because he's a god essentially and it doesn't you don't like it doesn't say like you know didn't give you this huge exposition of like back in the beginning of the of the mm-hmm. end there was anyway it didn't it didn't have to you you got that right from there and and yeah. It was done well. Okay. So there's these brutal parts that didn't happen. But like right after the sandstorm, when Max wakes up and he's trying to get the, the mm-hmm. trying oh. to get the chain off him and he takes the shotgun and tries to shoot his arm in half <laughs> and it does and it fizzles the, the bullet so fizzles. He, he's out. connected by a chain to to this other character. Mm-hmm. And and so Tom Hardy's trying to separate himself, and the only way he can think to do it is to take a shotgun and shoot the guy's arm. Shoot off. the guy's wrist. I was never so happy a gun didn't fire. Oh, yeah. when, when he put it up, I remember he he lifted it up and put the gun to the thing. And I remember sitting next to Chris in the theater and Chris going, Oh no. <laughs> and then it and we both went, oh. I know. I was like, I was waiting for it to earn its rated R rating with that moment. And then but then when he catches up because he's carrying the car door and Nux and then drops him and he's using the, the gun as basically just bluffing with the gun, mm-hmm. trying to trying to get the girls to let him out. And then he has that fight with Furiosa. Great. And then she takes the gun from him and puts the gun up underneath his muzzle and pulls the trigger. Yeah. And it's like. Oh, that like these super brutal moments that they show that could have happened, Mm -hmm. but didn't. That that, that lends that that lends some. uh, You you get to know her character a little more. She Mm -hmm. she'll pull the trigger on you. She's she'll blow your head off. And she's dedicated to what she's doing. The main character of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. This is her story. Absolutely. And And Max is along for the ride. This show. In opposition to a movie like Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. where everyone is incompetent except for the woman, right? Mm -hmm. So you have have, um, the part, speaking of blue scenes like Scott was talking about earlier... When they get stuck in the in the quagmire, mm-hmm. when they get stuck in the bog, and no, they it's, it's night, and it's nighttime, mm-hmm. and they're trying and they're getting out, and the bullet farmer is coming after them, and they have three bullets left in the. Which, by the way, that was a continuity error that bugs me literally every time I watch the movie. Um, uh, what's her name? Zoe says you've got four left in Big Boy here, and then. Max goes and shoots one bullet and she goes, you have two left. And I was like, uh, you said four earlier, but you meant three, I guess. Anyway, Max That's shoots. It. It's not on the Mount Rushmore. That's it. Max <laughs> shoots twice. And then Furiosa comes up and stands behind him. Very nervous mm-hmm. that he's going to miss a third time. And he realizing she's the better shot. Mm-hmm. Hands the gun over to her and offers his right? shoulder offer. And then she 
don't breathe. She shoots, hits the light, blah, blah, blah. Let me. But uh, blows, this, his, blows his eardrum to smithereens. It's the moment. It's this moment, though, where the male character recognizes that the female character is better than him and hands over the power to her to do that. And then literally five minutes later, when they get the when they get the, the truck up on the road again. Yeah. And they get moving, and he's saying, take the truck one click down the road and cool the engines off. And he grabs a can of gasoline and a couple other things and walks off. And she says, what if you're not back by then? By then? And he says, then keep moving. But he goes down. So she takes the power and does something badass, and then it's his turn. And he goes down and does it. And then there's that explosion, and they're all watching. And then he shows, walks out, and he's just covered in blood. And they're like, do you need help? And he goes, why? Like, you're covered defy, in blood. And she's blood. like, it's not his blood. But, and it's that moment between the two of them where the, both of them show their competence. And they're both super competent. But she is clearly the better person and leader. I, I wanted to talk about uh, symbolism in this movie. And one of them, there's a lot of theories about this movie, um, especially on repeat viewings and each theory kind of lends credence to it. But um, something controversial about this movie and a lot of people were almost boycotting it at first. They're like, oh, this is just like a, a feminist movie and I'm not going to watch it cause they're going to make men idiots. And, and there, there was a lot of talk about that stuff because George Miller got, um, a, a feminist, a feminist writer to help him write his female characters. Also his wife edited it, edited, mm -hmm. edited the film. Yeah. And she won an Oscar for it. Mm -hmm. She did a great job. So anyway, my point is, is that a lot of people were worried that, um, whatever the, the men will be bumbling idiots and the women are going to be awesome. Um, but when you watch the movie, you realize that's not what they're going for at all. And I think anyone, if if you don't see that, then you're watching with blinders and you're looking for reasons to think mm -hmm. that Mad Max wasn't competent in the movie. Max and the first time that he sees Furiosa, they fight each other, and he has his he has his gun, and she steals his gun and she's trying to kill him with it. And then later on in that same scene, Max takes her gun and he gets the upper hand and almost kills her with her gun. And then he gets the upper hand in this fight. He disarms her and takes all of her weapons in the in the truck like five minutes later. But once they start to get to trust each other more, he like she gets back into the car. He hands her a gun. They're sitting right next to each other, but he hands her a gun. And then uh, later on in the same scene, they turn and they fire and they fight people at the exact same time. Then Jake's scene you mentioned before. He passes her the gun because they trust each other. And you literally watch their relationship evolve. Um by, Let me guess. By through, through action. Well, through, through the <laughs> firearms, through the passing yeah. of firearms to each other. Yep. It, it's it's crazy. <clears throat> Nux is incompetent. Right. The whole time he's screwing up. He he can't keep his blood bag under control. He uh, he. Immortan Joe gives he, him the the thing and he's says, immediately I'm gonna set witness. up as the underdog mm -hmm. in the movie. Yeah, I'm going to witness you. I'm going to carry you into thing. And he gets thrown by Rictus onto the back of that truck, and then immediately trips over his chain, <laughs> drops the gun, and falls over. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> he ends up saving them uh, multiple times when 
he's making the repairs to the truck yeah. while they're making the run through the canyon. He's making the repairs to the truck and he uh runs he he uh keeping the truck running and then when Max is hanging upside down Furiosa's been stabbed and her arm is falling off and Max is about to fall over. Yeah. Nux looks out and just goes and kicks him and Max flies up onto the other truck and like it's these moments where Nux gets his he's this incompetent buffoon that gets his moments where he is and then ultimately he's the savior at the end. Yep. He he flips the truck over and kills Rictus and drops the stones down on, on on the road and makes it so that they can beat the rest of everyone back to the Citadel. Uh, he, like Chris said, he's got the most interesting story arc in the whole movie. Um, and, but, and it because, and it's because he starts out as such a buffoon and he stays a buffoon and for so long. So, so in a typical, um, the more you talk about him in, in a typical, uh, like hero's journey, he'd be the main character. No, right? yeah, I, th- I, I uh, he, he kind of fits that mold better, um, but he's definitely not the main character. Um, he has the biggest arc, I'd say, uh, other than maybe Mad Max, although his is, I don't know. Anyway, um, he he is a, a really interesting character. He's. Kind of a uh, a try hard because he, he is pretty competent in things. Like he, he, he can, can fix drive truck, really he can, well. He can he fix. Can, he can he can do a lot of things. When he, it comes he is to just, combat, he's not yeah worth much. He, he just tries too hard. He, he's the type of person that like whatever he believes, he put he goes one hundred and fifty percent into it. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's because um, he's been brainwashed to think that way yeah um, like his mm. and here's here's uh, we brought up the feminist uh, writer on the show and everything. And she was brought in to, to write um, women because Jordan was like, I'm not a woman. I can't, I can't write women as well as you could. So how should you write my women? And if you watch the show um, told through the action, the Morton Joe's breeders were stolen. That's the whole point of the movie is they're leaving because they're sick of him raping them. And they're trying to and escape stealing, and stealing the babies, right? And the, they're raising their babies to be warlords. And because he is, he's such a sickly human being, and his radiation <sighs> everywhere, all of Immortan Joe's children, uh, you saw the the little thing, the little guy the in little the very beginning, creature. yeah, that's like his oldest son, and then his second oldest son is this massive monster, but he can't breathe right; he has asthma or something, yeah. Um, so th- he's using these women just to, and they're they're all really attractive, just to breed and have children. And so the woman came in and said, "This is the worst thing that you could do. This is how you dehumanize a woman the most is just say she's here for breeding, and then the other women are just there for milking because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they don't have milk. They have to milk women, which is the weirdest thing about this movie is they show a scene where they're Mother's milking milk. <laughs> they're milking women and to a vat of like <clears throat> cocktails and. And they're all holding like fake babies, yeah. To like, yeah, I noticed that this something time to around. like make their. Yeah, I didn't notice it before either. I noticed it this time yeah. when I was paying attention. They're all holding dolls, right? It's weird. Anyway, why I bring that up is because George Miller said the worst thing you can do to boys, to men, is to use them as cannon fodder for your war. You're objectifying men by raising them just 
to think that they can die for your cause. That's the worst thing that you can do to a boy. And that's why this movie is very, uh, I don't it, know how you pronounce equally it. Equally disgusting on both, in, for both sexes. It's, it's a e- egalitarian. E- how do you pronounce it, Troy? Egalitarian. E- egalitarian. Right. Yeah. It's, it's very equal. When Max and Furiosa are on the same team, they're unstoppable. Because they realize that they need each other. A man and a woman. They're, they're, not, they're not dating. They don't have any romantic connection at all. But once they become friends and they trust each other, then that's that's how you overcome their oppression. And I thought, told through symbolism, I thought that was a really and, cool aspect. And to any um, anybody else that's watching that, that is either on one side or the other, whether you're a feminist or a men's rights activist, whatever you want to be, it's not pandering. No. And that's what's great about it is it's telling a story, uh, like you said, it, it's it's dehumanizing these these people, these characters, men and women, men and women, and is telling it in a way that that is empowering, mm-hmm. but not pandering. And and the the um, the problems that women go through and the problems that men go through, they just crank these up to eleven, mm-hmm. right? To to, mm-hmm. to to the nth degree, women are are complete just objects. Men are. Their lives are ex- their lives well. are expendable. Yeah, yeah, men, yeah. men are bullets. Women are are uh, baby having mm-hmm. things, baby yeah. machines, and it shows. You see Nux going through <clears throat> his like withdrawals of being like, no, <clears throat> he keeps going back every time. He keeps going back mm-hmm. to a Morton Joe, and then you have the I can't remember her name, but the one breeder. Who after the the pregnant one died? Oh, the redhead. The not the redhead. The the darker skinned the one, one that goes back. Cheeto, and she goes running back, but and they stop the her, and they oh. stop her, and they and they they won't let her go back. Cheeto the fragile. But then in the end, she uses that same idea that mm-hmm. she wants to go back. And she gets Rictus to put her back in. Well, that, the, that's a good plan. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan. It's exactly it. And then, and then she she turns around and helps Furiosa back into the car to help her mm-hmm. get her thing done. And that was so, awesome. I was like, "Are you serious? She she really gave up right now?" And then that happens. Oh, they got me! They, they got, got me! me. <laughs> got yeah, me it was great. Also, character wise, some incredible. Rictus was such a cool character. The whole like, I had a baby brother. I had a baby brother and it was perfect in every way. I was so sad too. I know. And then I know he, the way he's flopping it around. Mm-hmm. And then he picks up a freaking engine while it's running and mm-hmm. tears it off of a vehicle. Like <laughs> Rictus is such a cool character. Um, Immortan Joe, which by the way, same actor as Toe Cutter from mm-hmm. the first Mad Max movie, the main bad guy in the first Mad Max <laughs> movie. Same actor. Anyway, Immortan Joe was also another incredible character. You never once saw the lower half of his face. Mm-hmm. He's you the most, only well, you, you see when he gets ripped off and it's a bloody. <laughs> you get, mess. you do see the. Oh, and how great is that death? Oh my goodness! When she lets the so thing, good. she grabs his thing and then grabs the mask and then lets the strap catch the tire and just rip his face up. Oh, um, that guy is just disgusting. So oh, disgusting. he's foul and and uh, um. I, Maybe I'm just reaching at straws. I don't know. But his he obviously has lots of physical impairments that mm-hmm. he compensates for with the things. And so is is one of his things like he's he has super really pale white skin. So and, so, and that's why all of his his uh, war boys have white skin. He like wants to 
make his weakness a strength for the I think they all have a disease that makes them look that way. Oh, I think I, it's just like this the, I, th- the, I thought they were painting themselves white to look like no, him that, because he's white naturally. That's their skin tone. Oh. I think they all have the same disease, but he's getting the proper care to keep him alive. It's it's part of the the nuclear cuz mm-hmm. they mentioned it it's a nuclear post-apocalypse post-apocalypse. And so it sorry, I don't mean to like go back to Chernobyl, but it, it was it was interesting because I watched Chernobyl before this and was learning a little bit more about how nuclear energy and 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 radiation and radiation sickness and cancer and all of that work how all of that works and that's part of it like the sores that are on um Morton Joe's uh body when they, and like you the, know, the, 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 like the the tumors the, the tumors Larry, on the like, and why they call them uh half lifers or half yeah, half, yeah. They yeah live it, half it, life. it's all it's all it's all connected to the nuclear the nuclear apocalypse so, so but speaking of cool character insane characters the uh the bullet farmer how cool of a character was he where he's just shooting, spraying the bu- And then the freaking Gastown dude, the big fat guy with the fake nose. Yeah. And then I remember reading something about it's he has syphilis. Because oh. that's uh, part of the people Gross. who have syphilis have, it tend to lose their nose. Like it eats, uh, I think syphilis eats cartilage or something in your body. And so it's something like that where like, it's just adding to the disgustingness of these and his elephant uh, feet and his elephant feet. Like it's just uh, every so, character was so cool. So it's this disgusting. is the first time Scott and Troy saw it, but after no, I, I saw it, also, right, right. But this like, is the first real time you saw it. Sure. But uh, some of the theories around those characters is that they're the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and Morton Joe is pestilence and that's why he's disgusting and he, he, he doesn't have a mouth. And he hoards all of the, the the way to cure you to himself, and then he lies to his people, and that's why he doesn't have a mouth. And the um, bullet farmer is war, and he's he goes blind, mm-hmm. and uh, so he's blind to the chaos that he causes through war. That's why he's shooting randomly after he loses his eyes. And the people eater is people eater. famine. Uh, and he doesn't have a nose because his nose has fallen off. But if you don't have a nose, you can't taste your food. So he can eat and eat and eat, but he can never taste what he eats. Uh, it's, it's choices like that that, like, like I, I'm pretty sure that was done on purpose. One doesn't have a mouth. One doesn't have a nose. One doesn't have eyes. Like, there's no right. way that was not and then done on purpose. Max. And Max is the the horseman death because everywhere he goes, death follows. But through his blood, he can decide who lives and who dies. Because he's typo. Because mm-hmm. that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's a super like and I, no, like th- th- I, th- those type of things. It's like, did they throw the dart and then draw the the target around it, or did they actually? I I refuse to th- to to think that they threw the shot the arrow and painted a target. Around I, I it. think that, also that seems very right on to be. I, so I think that accidentally. I, I think I think it's I think it's cool. I want to start with that, but I also think it's fairly common that if you're going to create a um, the idea of uh, villains, especially if there's multiple or, or I guess important characters or whatever, and tying them to the four the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <clears throat> I mean, the, the whole world is an ap- apocalyptic world. That's pretty common, I would say. Um, but the way they did that is is so, is unique that I, I don't like Jake said I don't think and, that and of what we've been talking about from the beginning the theme throughout the whole thing is it's not 
spoon-fed. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's something that you that we're debating it now, and and it most likely is the case. But I mean, there's a case to be made that maybe it isn't. Well, mm-hmm. one thing that I I think kind of shows that they maybe are a horseman of the apocalypse, even if it's not sent from heavens, but natural, is uh, when they're talking the Nucks and Splendid, the, his favorite breeder, says, if this isn't our fault, we're going to go to Valhalla. And they're like, well, then who destroyed the world? And they throw them out. And they're like, oh, maybe the four horsemen of the apocalypse destroyed the world. And that's why these guys are in charge now. So I mean, they, they give you these questions, and then you're like, oh, maybe dig a little deeper. Hmm. Cool. And then on a more topical level, how great are some of the gifts and memes coming out of this show? <laughs> that 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 gif of Max going, nope, that's bait. Mm-hmm. That's one of my yeah. favorite gifts of all time is him doing that. Uh, Kylie, my wife, is a nurse at, at work. And whenever you have an excess of uh, medication, like they'll give you like 10 ounces of medication. This patient was only prescribed seven, right? So they have to dump it out in the sink, but you need a witness. So every single time that they need a witness, Kylie will go up in front of them, make her hands into the V8 symbol that they do. <laughs> witness me! And then somebody else, witness! And she, my wife loves this movie, uh, which surprised the hell out of me that she liked it so much because I feel like, like, oh, this is a Chris Daly movie, but apparently it's not. It's, it's made so well that it, it speaks to everybody. And it's culturally relevant to people yeah. at the our nurses. Yeah. Uh, like the way that Jake yelled at a Furiosa at Disneyland. <laughs> also, how great is the Doof Warrior? Mm-hmm. Do you know who the Doof Warrior is? He's the he's the war the war drums the guy who plays the guitar on the on the top of a vehicle that is nothing but but amplifier. So that's just a cool twist on war drums on because that's a common that's a thing. But like this is just like so they've cranked everything up to eleven. Why not this? Oh, dude, and he's on like bungee cords and he's bouncing all around. So, dude, the Doof Warrior is one of the coolest characters in the whole show, and he doesn't say a word. You know, I mean, he barely gets a fight. Mouth, like, Like, yeah, he had a mouth. So, so the 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 most of the um, aside from watching the film, most of the uh, um, research or most of the what I what I looked into was actually like the production kind of behind the scenes that kind of stuff and that one is kind of funny because uh, I can't remember his name I wish I would have written it down but they actually got a, a well-known guitarist. iota yeah a mm-hmm. uh, well-known musician guitarist to actually do that part and then the the flames were controlled by the whammy bar and so, so real oh, real really? flames. yeah so it's real flame that was the real part when they're yeah, driving real down. speakers so they actually yeah. rigged it so the guy yeah yeah real it. flames with, with real gasoline speakers, all real of it harness. Like he, and it was controlled by that the whammy was, bar whenever he hit the whammy bar that was the coolest part when they're driving and he's playing it and then he and then the flames just Mm-hmm. And it's like flowing behind the truck because uh-huh. they're going so fast. I was like going, I am. That's blown. all practical. I, yeah. I just, I just uh, was reminded. I just remembered. I, I remember seeing some YouTube video or something about the effects on this and showing like the side by side. All they did for a lot for most of these chases is just add atmosphere to like the air. Yeah, and they'll, they'll add like dust and stuff. 
when they were in the canyons, they added the mountains yeah. and stuff like that. Because but, but what the trucks are doing actually, ground. they actually oh, do yeah. in the trucks and yeah, like of course. motorcycles jumping over it. So so some more behind like the scenes things I read was they they filmed a lot of the um, the actual like. In Nambia, where they called it, um, I believe they called it something like the Desert of Hell or something like that. Um, the the uh, landmarks were created basically like eighty something million years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is which is crazy. It's one of the oldest places like on Earth. It's like basically still kind of yeah for the way when it was formed and all that stuff, um, which is interesting. And I wanted to put this out there is the when they blew up that arch. You think that art that arch had to have been fake? Like they didn't oh, yeah. blow up a There's real... no way. Okay. I I, I, I no thought way. that for a second. I was like, there's no way they blew up an actual tens of millions old arch. <laughs> it's funny you <laughs> it's funny too. But I was like, maybe they did. They they had to send a snippet of the movie to uh Nambian government because they were paying them and they sent them that snippet. And they're like, they're ruining our, our natural. landscape. Yeah. And so they told the Warner Brothers that and Warner Brothers had to send a producer down to Nambia to yeah, watch the filming. To make sure they're like, oh no, it was fake. Okay. Uh, um, but some other things, uh, interesting part of this, uh, on average, when they were filming, uh, I think it's, they said uh, it, it took, uh, maybe this was either one scene or the whole, the whole film took 138 days to film. Yes. Um, I think that might have been just the one scene, though. The, the, like, the, not the scene, but the, the driving. Um, anyway, well, not, really, the whole movie is one big car chase. It is, but I mean, you still have the stuff in the beginning. Yeah, and, anyway, and, and, and which wouldn't, anyway, but you had, uh, on average, um, 1,700 workers on set, which included, uh, 150 stunt performers, drivers, camera crew, and they even had snake wranglers. Oh, really? <laughs> to keep them away? Yeah, because they had, they had vicious, poisonous snakes in the Nambian desert, and so they had to get Venomous. snake wranglers. Yeah. What I say, poisonous? Yeah. Whatever. Um, you can go take that and, uh, you yeah, know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just, it's, never mind. <laughs> it's fine. But, but they yeah. had, they had these snake wranglers there to, to, to take the snakes away from set. And, you know, anyway. Um, and then I was, I was reading up because apparently George Miller, George Miller and Tom Hardy didn't, didn't like each other or, or they were having some issues on set because Tom Hardy is notoriously known for being hard to work with. Um, especially if he doesn't respect your vision or mm-hmm. doesn't see your vision. <clears throat> and it's funny because, uh, even b- before they filmed and everything, uh, George, uh, Mel Gibson and Tom Hardy met and discussed it and everything. And that they, they felt like, you know, everything was, everything was good. Um, but, uh, when, after the film had screened, uh, Tom Hardy pr- uh, publicly apologized to George Miller for being such a dick mm-hmm. <laughs> and fighting because he and Charlize Theron fought. He and George Miller fought. And it's funny because uh, George Miller actually consulted Chris Nolan on uh, before casting Tom Hardy because um, because he heard that he was difficult on set. Because at this point, Christopher Nolan had already had him on Inception and on Dark Knight Rises. Right. Um but it was just all of this behind the scenes <clears throat> development hell. All this kind of stuff is just Dude, really Tom crazy. Tom Hardy, though, his voice, like mm-hmm. how – I mean, obviously, it's digitally enhanced for this. Like, he, his voice can't really do that. But uh, his voice. You know what I've, I've noticed about Tom Hardy being hard to work with is every time a director has said that, they've either froze his ass off or burned him in a desert and told him <laughs> to stay there for 160 days. <laughs> like, which one of us here would not be a little grumpy? Yeah, right. Um, so how cool was the creative ways that they were able to make war in on uh, in a war party 
on the road. Like uh, it was very Scotty. Cool. Yeah. Scotty already mentioned how cool the lances were with the. With it, the grenade, it was almost like naval lances. warfare. Like there was harpoons, yeah. there were spears, harpoon mm-hmm. spears moving across like the desert with no, the water. They even used the sand to how put out cool, a fire. Yeah. How cool was the 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 pole cats? I was that they that were up. that they like they come in and yeah, grab people and pull them out and like the one guy was trying to like he had Max and he was trying to push him on the ground and like and then all the cars were super badass and cool and Dude, like that's one of my favorite parts is when you mentioned it before Nux kicks him and he goes on the people eater's car yeah and he kills him and uses him as a human shield against Morton Joe yeah but then it blows up and he has to leave and he leaves by grabbing onto a pole halter. Goes back to a Furiosa's war rig, but no, he gets taken back the other way. Yeah, do you and know what? It is so he wild fights the doof warrior and <laughs> hitting yeah. each other with the guitar. Yeah, dude, it, it's it kind of now that I'm thinking about it in in naval sense, it's kind of a water world meets the desert. Water world in the desert. Well, yeah. and water world was clearly um, inspired by the, by Fur- the, Mad, the first Max. Mad Max. Mad mm-hmm. Max. Yeah. Huh. There you cool. go. Super Mind cool. Super cool. And then like how ineffective motorcycles were. <laughs> Dude, that's like my favorite scene though. When they're fighting the the motorcycle guys. Yeah. And, and they're jumping over and throwing. Oh, and he slides well, under okay, and catches. Okay, so those guys were effective. Those, those like, guys were effective. Every motorcycle person from the Citadel was immediately destroyed. Mm-hmm. Same with the old ladies. Oh, Their yeah. one motorcycle they had. Immediately, Valkyrie, Valkyrie check immediately destroyed. Yeah, it was interesting. So, uh, so tell me, Chris, we we have talked at length. I think we all really enjoyed the movie, but um, let's let's throw into the Mount Rushmore topic because mm-hmm. you're you're pitching to us the idea that Mount Rushmore belongs on, or that Mad Max Fury Road belongs on the Mount Rushmore of the Colbo podcast. So, give us some more impassioned arguments <laughs> on your end as to why we should why we should vote yes um and and uh, this is interesting to me because i had no idea that scott hadn't seen it and i didn't know that troy i guess saw parts of it before i, I saw the whole thing i just right uh, yeah, it's it it in bits parts, but i watched it on a computer in the audio the screen i mean it wasn't it wasn't the greatest and uh and I, i've actually this is the one movie that i've been told by people I'm like, hey, you should really see this movie. And I, I talk it up, I talk it up, and they're like, yeah, it was okay, it was all right. I mean, it was it was just like a car chasing the whole time, like a whatever. And so, like, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I totally get that, um, but for some reason, for me, it just hit every checkbox on a movie that is um, entertaining to me. And I, th- I think why I like it so much and every single time I've watched it since, um, I get something new out of it every time. I, n- I notice a detail that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. I notice uh, like a beautiful scenery or sunset or stunt, a freaking stunt that I've never noticed before. I notice uh, the, doll the, the lore. The ladies are holding. I notice the lore a little more. Like, like I just found out, uh, I brought this up earlier, but the war boys worship 
um, shiny and chrome. They, they were Valhalla. They worship engines. So they do this and it's the V8 engine and that's why they do it. That's their symbol of, of prayer. There to If you're listening, the symbol is, I mean, if, if, yeah. assuming you haven't watched it and don't know what we're talking about, they're putting their hands together, interlocking their fingers and, and sticking that's, that's four fingers right up in there. And yeah. it looks like a V8 engine pointing out. Yes. Um, so I, I noticed that that's, that's a religious symbol for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that when the more Max and Furiosa trust each other, the the handing of, of rifles to each other, uh, this, the story told, and it's a, it's a fairly linear story of overcoming oppression, basically. Uh, Nux does it, the Breeders does it, Furiosa does it. Um, Max is there and he tells him like, Hey, there's, there's, there's no point in believing in hope, but he's the person who literally comes and gives them hope. Uh, I, I saw a couple of people call Max a Phoenix in this, in the whole franchise really. Cause every time he leaves a place, he leaves it better than when he came. And there, there's a part but where he, only after mayhem. a lot of death, <laughs> right? which because you might be the horseman of death. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really get the symbolism what, what George Miller was trying to say. Maybe people are just looking for stuff that may not be there, but I think it's really cool. Um, but anyway, the character of Max, who this, this isn't his story. He's just the Long person that the happens to be there, but he's the one who helps Furiosa get redemption. Um, he helps Nux realize his worth and that he doesn't have to die for this person. He can die for people that he cares about. The The story is touching, surprisingly. And the story is, is told to you through these scenes that you can piece together along the way. And you're, smart, you're a smart enough person to piece it together yourself along the way. And if you didn't get any of that story, then you were still freaking entertained to no end yeah by the action scenes because they make your heart and adrenaline pump and i still haven't seen a movie that does it as effectively as this movie and a movie that starts out weird and you're like what the hell is going on and it sets a tone that carries out through the rest of the movie um to me this movie's not perfect but it's the closest thing i can think of to absolute perfection and the director trying to execute what he was what his vision was and then putting it on a reel or putting it on a on his computer and putting it in the putting it in the theater that was his vision it's a miracle we even got it it was in developmental hell we might not even get another one so i i think this movie came in and it changed how action movies are done in fact um john wick uh looked at the the way that they wrote action scenes from this movie. And now, now action movies are done the way that Mad Max did it. So it came in and it changed the game, mm-hmm. especially for action movies. Yeah. So that's, I just laid it all out there. This movie, uh, it probably is my favorite movie of all time. I just, I love everything about it. Interesting. I, um, I definitely agree with a lot of the points you made. I, uh, the second time watching it, I, you know, the first time you watch it, you're like, what the hell is going on? Why, what's the deal with the water? What's the deal with all of this, uh, all of the stuff. And you notice it the second time around, you re- you know that you've already seen it. And so you see it more mm-hmm. as a symbolistic. It, yeah. It's very rewatchable. The, yeah. Because of that. The symbolism behind it all. And, and, uh, for sure. I, I never even thought of or heard of the, um, the four horsemen of the apocalypse thing that's that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um what what's interesting to me is that like 
the movie itself. So George Miller was able to take what he had in his head, film it with some incredible stunt men, stunt women, stunt performers, drivers, all of it. And take that, what was in his head, storyboard it, went through hell to get it out there. And he then sat put, next to his editor for two years, mm-hmm. <laughs> figuring it out, putting it together. And then, yeah, exactly. And then put it out on screen. And what you had as a result was you had during the premiere after the premiere, I should say you had Tom Hardy apologizing to him for being such a dick to him mm-hmm. and, and a dick on set. And then you also had Mel Gibson who played Max in the first three films sitting there like a little child next to him during the premiere elbowing him in the ribs and, and, and basically excited about it and say what you want about Mel Gibson. He's a great actor and he's also a great director, right? He's competent. He's a good storyteller. He's competent as hell. And for him to, you know, be excited should show you that he enjoyed the movie because he, he had played Max, but he enjoyed it because it was, it was a continuation of his character, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the character that really brought Mel Gibson out of obscurity, (coughs) Um, and then as a result, also you could, he respected it from a filmmaker and, and an actor, right. You know, a director. Yeah, yeah. Director. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if we were going to get into, into voting, um, my vote's going to be yes. All right. So the, I don't have too much to say because I am fully on Chris's team <laughs> on this one. This movie is seriously excellent. Um, what, what was really awesome about it, and it's something that I just noticed as Chris was talking about it just earlier, um, Max is not the main character. It's not his story. He's a wandering man who wandered into this situation and helped a group of people through the situation. You j- that is literally the plot for Road Warrior mm-hmm. and for uh, Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Was... He's a he's a guy wandering through the wilderness, comes upon a a, a, a group of people and helps them get out of the awful situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so George Miller took that formula, which which was for these B movies from way back in the day, and he applied it into this, threw a ton of money at it, and created something that we've talked about ad nauseum about the great storytelling, the great direction, the great acting, the great cinematography, all of it. And the thousands of stunts. <laughs> and it came together in such a way that it was it changed action films. So uh, loud and resounding, yes. Uh, when I was when I was deciding between between uh, Walter Mitty. I, I like this was up. This movie was up there in the running for me to choose which movie I should put up here. So, yeah, you didn't have to do much convincing for me. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about it. It's a good film to talk about. So, you're, um, you're in my shoes last time we did yeah. this. Um, so this movie, uh, I. Th- I mean, it does have its problems, and the, the cinematography, honestly, it's it's one of those things where the cinematography goes along with the story where, like like uh, we were mentioning earlier, everything is cranked up to 11. The cinematography is cranked up to 11 here. Mm-hmm. Like, like the filters they used were just crazy. And and I talked about the blue, the blue 
scenes that I didn't really like. It. I, I just hate any time it's the shoot day for night. And it was the scene, I think, when, when they were with all the old women um, and she, they're talking about the seeds or something. One of the one of the mm-hmm. breeders was with the old lady and that mm-hmm. and they're on the, the, by the motorcycle talking about that. The cinematography in that scene really bugged me. But there were some night scenes that I did like. Anyway, um, this movie to me, I think, is one of those is is a movie that is a perfect example of when a, pro, a producer production company takes a risk and it pays off mm-hmm. because telling a movie that relies on your your viewer to be invested enough to pick up on things mm-hmm. like like we've been talking about without spoon feeding them is a huge risk and production companies hate it mm-hmm. you watch any modern action movie any modern movie at all everything is spoon fed and you feel like an, you feel you feel patronized right this was a huge risk not to do it and it paid off in in a big way i think um yeah i loved that Chris, you talked about a lot that they're told the story through action and not action as in like action movie explosions, handing a gun. So that, that is an action, like moving right. your hand with a gun in it, giving it to somebody. That's an action. Like telling the story through that without having to say it is, is so, just hey, done trust mas- you now. masterfully. Mm-hmm. That there's that like the whole idea that a, a, a picture is worth a thousand words, that that action is worth a thousand words. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'll give it a yes. Hell yeah. Damn. I was kind of expecting a no. That's cool. We got half our Mount Rushmore up. It's it's nerve-wracking to be in that seat, <laughs> isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Waiting to see if everybody's going to... It is uh, nerve-wracking. How people are going to react. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, cool. I- I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it. Uh, I assumed that you all hadn't seen it, but now that you have, even if you said no, I'm glad you finally saw it. Um... Yeah. yeah, and and speaking to that, I'm still riding the high of just like the entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to go rewatch it a couple times to yeah. like pick stuff up, um, like kind of dissect the story, where the inciting incident is, where where like the faults, uh, climaxes and stuff. I kind of want to go dissect it, but um, at, at this point, having watched it a day ago, like 24 hours ago, it's definitely a yes. And this is like my sixth or seventh time watching it, and like. This, this doesn't even need to be said, but I thought it was interesting because I saw another theory where they're like, Emoten Jor's home is Babylon, and Max is coming in to destroy it and eat the, the, the head of the serpent. And the first time you see him, he's eating the head of the lizard. And, and so, you know what? That's the, I think that's the first, that's the only time you see any food. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, the whole time I was like, what, are, what do they eat? Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm glad everyone liked it. Uh, I'm, Crazy. Cool. We got half of our uh, Mount Rushmore. Dude, I love this movie. This movie is super special to me, and I kind of don't know why. Always down for this movie. Yeah, definitely. This is a movie I... Because, I mean, it's rated R, and there's a lot of heavy things in it. But this is a movie I was like, I guess Ollie can watch it. I don't don't see a single reason why not. You're right. Like I mentioned earlier, like I was waiting for it to earn its rated R rating. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like... The intensity of the of the action and it's the just, it, like the so weird like I guess his face getting ripped off, but uh, that's that's the only like graphic part. There's no nudity. There's, there's a butt. There was some f words. There's a butt. No, there's no f words. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. They don't swear once. They they don't they don't swear in any Road Warrior movies. They they make up words like schlinger. Oh yeah. They they don't swear in it. I could have sworn. There's the yeah. one naked lady at the top that's the bait. You don't see her though. You see the butt. You see, you see a butt. Oh, cheek. butt. Yeah. You see her butt. 
there's the 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 milkers. Yeah, but but they're covered. They're but being they're milked. They're mm. being milked. It's still pretty. Uh, yeah, oh, it, it's disturbing. Disturbing. Sure. But and I think that, that that's probably the extent it, of what you're going to. The rated R comes this. from the disturbing things. The intensity of the violence. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, there we have it, guys. All right. Part or half of our Mount Rushmore is filled up. Jeez. I don't think and two movies that could not be more different from each other. Yeah, it's true, huh? <laughs> so the Walter Mitty and, and uh <laughs> Mad Max. The uh the Both official the official reason given by the MPAA for Fury Road's rating is for intense sequences of violence throughout and for disturbing images. Yeah, that's, see, that's exactly that, that, what we said. That ha- cause there's that's no language. F- official yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the, apparently they had a PG thirteen cut too, but it like wasn't nearly as good. So I don't know if I'd have liked it with with less intense violence. You know what I think is interesting too, much. even though we're off the topic already, is that I, I saw this movie and it hit me really hard. And then I was like, whenever I like a movie this much, the the Academy Award hates it. It was nominated for ten Academy Awards. It won six. And the the best picture winner that year won like two. I think it won like something else, and then best movie. So it, it's just crazy that a fourth movie in a franchise is like, oh yeah, let's throw a bunch of awards. A fourth at it movie in a franchise that the first three were B movies from mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah, like not just not just Australian actors and director, like Australian produced. Mm-hmm. And this like, one, this one wasn't. It, it's uh, it did try hard to be a good movie, but it was so hidden that it seemed like just a tear your face off action thriller. Mm-hmm. But but it was so much deeper than that. Right. Oh, God. It hit it very well. Love I kind of want to watch it again. <laughs> I want to watch. Talk I want to watch now. with you guys. I want to watch the first three. Yeah, for sure. Because the first one is very different than the second. Second and third is much more like Fury Road. We should do. But, uh, we should. We should do. Um, a stack? A marathon. Oh, a marathon? Yeah, like just watch just, the first three and then watch for your own. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm down. Just do it. Road Warrior is amazing. Oh. All right, guys. Well, if you're still here, thanks for hanging around. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a longer one. Um, this was one of my favorite episodes so far. I love this movie. Uh, we had some great conversation. So thank you guys for coming and thank you for, for uh, discussing and having this great discussion with me. And um, remember to get on our social media, uh, like and comment, get on uh, wherever you find your podcast, get on there, give it a like, give it a, give it a a rating and a, and a review and um, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We want to, we want to talk about what you guys want us to talk about. Uh, I think it would be really cool to hear from you guys about what you think about Mad Max Fury Road. I'm sure there's plenty of you that have opinions about this stuff. So uh, let us know. Also, uh, dear Joe, don't kill us about the (laughs) King Killer Killer stuff earlier today. Uh, Yeah, we uh, love Bards, dude. Bards are the best. if there's nothing else, uh, then we love you and we'll see you next week. Remember Witness who you me. are and what you stand for. Bye-bye. Yep. <laughs>